Welcome to the Rick Reed Sermon Podcast. Rick serves as the president of Heritage College and Seminary, where he has the joy of preaching God's Word and training the next generation of preachers. The sermons on this podcast are taken from Dr. Reed's preaching ministry in churches, conferences, and at chapel services at Heritage. You might remember that uh, last month, as we went through uh, the series on being money wise, that uh, I gave you a challenge. Really gave us a challenge, and that was to say, let's let's put the Lord first. Let's uh, give at least a tenth of what He entrusts to us over these next three months: February, March, and April. And let's test him on this. Well, I just want to give you an update from February. I, I was contacted by uh, those who kind of handle the finances of our church. Got some good news for you, and I just want to encourage you with this. I was told that over uh, the month of January and February, most specifically in February, that uh, the Lord really did touch many of our hearts and we gave. In fact, our giving to the general fund and missions fund was up about 30% over last year. And get this, when you add in the giving to the building and the tsunami relief, giving up uh, this year over last year, January, February, versus January and February, is up about 75%. So that's just an evidence of God's grace in our lives. And I just want to say, way to go. And let's keep trusting the Lord uh, in March. Maybe some more of you are saying, I'm going to get in on this. I want to put the Lord first and see what He will do. So thank you for uh, your responsiveness to God's Word. It encourages my heart. Jesus uh, made a a very intriguing statement that's recorded for us by Luke in Luke chapter 6 and verse 40. It goes like this. Jesus said this, A student, or literally a disciple, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Everyone, catch that, everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, Jesus is reminding us that we reproduce after our own kind. I mean, that's a reality that's been around since, since creation. You remember the opening uh, pages of the Bible in Genesis? We're told that when God made living things, He made them so that they would reproduce after their own kind. Now, that's true physically. We reproduce after our own kind physically, so that's true of uh, daffodils and dolphins and everything else that's alive. But Jesus is saying it's also true spiritually. It's not just true of daffodils and dolphins. It's also true of disciples. That someone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So that means that when we invest in someone's life, that over time they will come to be more and more like like us. Last week we started into a series that I'm entitling Investing in a Timothy. Investing in a Timothy in light of eternity. And we are looking at how Paul invested his life in a young man by the name of Timothy. And we're doing that to learn some lessons about how we can spiritually mentor someone else. How we can disciple uh, Timothy, someone younger in the faith or younger in age than ourselves. How we can disciple them to be a trained ambassador for Christ. Now, over this series, four weeks in length, we're going to give you at least four essential things that have to happen if I'm going to invest my life, if you're going to invest your life in someone else in a positive way. What does it look like to help somebody grow up in their faith? Well, last week we started by talking about a foundational element, and that is 
That is the importance of showing godly affection. That if you want to invest in someone's life in a way that touches them deeply, whether that someone is a child in your home or another Christian in your church, if you want to invest in a life, they need to be, they need to be a person who senses that you have a godly affection for them. That you really care about them, like Paul cared about Timothy. Well, today we move on to a second aspect that I think is crucial. We see it in Paul's life as he relates to Timothy, and it really relates to all of us. And that is not just showing godly affection, but, but setting a good example. Today I want to talk to you about the importance of example when you're investing in a Timothy. See, Paul understood this. He understood that Timothy would ultimately become more and more like him as he invested in. So he knew he had to set a right and good example. And that's true for us. We're going to have to look at our lives before we look at the lives of those we hope to touch and impact and invest in. Today I want to talk to you about investing in a Timothy by setting a good example. And I want to do that by looking at the example Paul set for Timothy. You see, Paul tells us the kind of example he set. And I think by extension, he gives us a picture of the kind of example you and I need to seek to be for others. So to do that, would you join me again? We're in the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Today we're in the book of 2nd Timothy, chapter 3. 2nd Timothy, chapter 3. If you're using a blue Bible, the blue Bible's there. It's page 843. 843 will get you to 2nd Timothy, chapter 3. Today we're going to talk about the importance of setting a good example. And I'm going to ask all of us to do a little bit of a self-audit, to do a little bit of a check and say, Lord, how am I doing when it, comes, when it comes to being the kind of example I would like somebody else to become? That's where we're headed. So you, you ask the Lord to speak to you. Let me pray for us, and we'll look at the text together. Father, this morning, I'm both uh, encouraged and sobered by the thought that the people I invest in will become more and more like me. Lord, I want them to become like you. So I just pray that you would help me to become more like you so that I could set the right kind of example for others. And I pray that for those of us here, Lord, that we would be your disciples. We would be growing more and more like you so that the example we set would be one that would help others. And I pray this in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul actually starts off the chapter by top, talking about the opposite of a good example. He talks about some bad examples in verses 1 through 9. And he reminds us of a rather sobering, grim reality. It's simply this. In verses 1 to 9, we're going to see that a good example isn't easy to find. There's plenty of bad examples out there. And Paul says, let me tell you about what's going on. A good example isn't very easy to find. It's not always something you spot. Look what Paul says in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. In other words, Timothy, don't follow these guys. And then he goes on to talk about some religious charlatans in verse 
Verse 6 there, he says, They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, Janus and Jambres evidently were two of Pharaoh's court mag uh, magicians, just as Janus and Jambra opposed Moses, so these men opposed the truth. Men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. So Paul starts off to say, look, Timothy, there's plenty of bad examples out there. Steer clear of them. And then he goes on, by way of contrast, in verses 10 through 17, to talk about a good example. And in this case, Paul says, Timothy, look, look at my example. And he's, if it's true that a, that a good example is not easy to find, verses 1 through 9, then verses 10 to, to 17 are going to tell us this, that a good example, if you find one, is worth following. A good example is worth following. Paul says to Timothy, look, follow my example. Stay away from the wrong kind, but, but Timothy, watch what I did. You know about it. Follow my example. A good example is worth following. Look what Paul writes there. Pick it up in verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecutions and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says, Timothy, look, I I've sought to be an example for you. And a good example is worth following. In verse 10, Paul lists seven areas where he sought to be an example for Timothy. Seven areas. And what I want to do in our moments together here is to walk you through all those seven areas where Paul sought to be an example for Timothy. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do a little self-check on these seven areas in your life. And I've been doing that in my life. And let's ask ourselves, if this is what a good example looks like, then do I look like a good example? Let's look at the seven areas that Paul delineates, and let's kind of do a little uh, looking inside as well. What does a good example look like? Well, Paul tells us in verse 10, he says to Timothy, Timothy, you know the kind of example I set. First of all, he says, I was a good example when it came to teaching. So if you want to be a good example, here's one area to be a good example in. Be an example when it comes to teaching. Did you see that in verse 10? You, however, know all about my teaching. Well, you say, well, Paul, what was your teaching? Well, you don't have to look far to figure that out. If you go down to verse 15 and 16, you find out what Paul was teaching. Do you see that in verse 15? 
Look down the page just a bit. It says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. So what did Paul teach Timothy? Taught him the Scriptures. He taught him the Old Testament Scriptures. That was the Scriptures that were written down at this time. But he also taught him the Apostles' teaching, which was the basis for the New Testament Scriptures. So Paul's teaching to Timothy was about the Scripture. And he, in fact, he says there in verse 15, Timothy, and, and know this, what I was teaching you wasn't new stuff. I mean, you've learned this since you were a baby. Well, Timothy's mom, Eunice, and his grandma, Lois, were involved in teaching him the, in the Scriptures, and Paul just picked it up. Now, here's some lessons for those of us who are investing in someone else. Be an example when it comes to teaching them the Scripture. Let's say the Timothy that you're training is a child, someone in your home. God's given you some children to raise. They're your Timothys. Then, then like Paul, teach them the value of the Scripture. Let them see you as mom or dad opening the Bible. Let them see you reading it. Not as a showpiece, but because you really need it. And, you're, and they walk by, and there's mom. She's reading the Bible again. And there's dad. He's opening his Bible. It's right there on his bedstead again. Let them know that the Bible is an important book in your life and teach them. Talk to them about what you're learning. At a dinner table, speak up and say, you know, let me tell you something I read in the Bible today. Let the Scriptures be part of what you teach them. Now, if your Timothy is not necessarily your biological child, but another Christian, here's the same advice. Let the Scripture be the basis of what you teach them. When you're together with another Christian and you're investing in their life, talk about the Bible together. Say, you know, can I ask you, what are you getting when you read the Bible? Or when, you, when a topic comes up and you're not sure how to handle it, say this, you know, we ought to try to figure out what the Bible says about that. Maybe we can pray and look into that. I don't know either, but let's look at what the Bible says. Be an example of teaching the Scripture. Paul was that. If you want to invest in the life of a Timothy, that's a good example to follow. So be an example when it comes to teaching. That's the first thing. Well, look back with me at verse 10. You'll see the second thing where Paul was a good example, not only in the area of teaching, but secondly, be an example, set a good example in the area of lifestyle. In your lifestyle, or as Paul calls it, my way of life. You see that in verse 10? You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life. It's just one Greek word there that translates that phrase. The Greek word Paul uses is linked to a verb that means to go. So your way of life is the way you go through life. How do you go through life? That's your lifestyle. And Paul says, Timothy, look, you know about the way I went through life. You know about my lifestyle, my way of life. Now, how did Timothy know Paul's way of life? Well, if you remember from last week, we saw that the guys traveled together and served together for years at a time. You ever traveled with somebody for like weeks or months or years? You think you get to know somebody pretty well when you travel with them and you see them when they're kind of out of the public eye, when they're unplugged? You think you get to know someone pretty well, their way of life, when you travel with them, when you live by them? I do. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, look, you've lived right beside me and you know my way of life. And he says, follow that. That's quite an example, don't you think? You know, uh, when religious leaders fall, they tend to fall in one of three areas. 
They tend to fall when it comes to money, when it comes to sexuality, or when it comes to power. Money, sexuality, and power. Those tend to be where they fall. And in each of those areas, Paul was an example for Timothy. Think about it. Paul was an example in handling money with integrity. Timothy saw this. You remember last week, we saw that these two guys went around and they planted churches. Well, Paul later wrote letters to the churches that he and Timothy started. The church in Thessalonica, the church in Corinth. And in both cases, Paul talked to those churches and said, Hey, you remember how we handled money? To the Thessalonians, Paul wrote this. He says, Timothy and I, we worked night and day so we wouldn't burden you. So they didn't rip anyone off. He says, we worked so we didn't have to financially freeload off you guys. When he wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, look, you know, we didn't even take any money from you all. We could have, but we chose not to because we didn't want to send the wrong message. In 2 Corinthians, when he and Timothy are taking the collection, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, we are taking pains to handle this money in a way that is right in the sight of God and in the sight of people. He's saying, we have financial integrity. Now, Timothy knew that because he saw it up close. How about the area of sexuality? Well, Paul handled the the temptations regarding sexuality with purity. Now, not every religious leader does that. In fact, in verse 6, we saw earlier about these guys who take advantage of women. Did you see that? He says in verse 6 of chapter 3, these these, uh, one kind of guy are the kind that worm their way into homes, gain control over weak-willed women, and who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires. There are some people, he says, who use their position to take advantage of others. But Paul didn't do that. And Timothy knew it because he lived by Paul. So he handled money with integrity, he handled sexuality with purity, and then he handled power with humility. Paul Paul was a powerful guy. I mean, God's hand was on him and he did miraculous things. He also had the authority of the apostles. But when he went in, he didn't go in to just kind of kick and push people around. In fact, in Thessalonica, he says to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, when we were with you, we were like a nursing mother, gentle with you, like, like a mother would be with her little children. And then when he writes to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, listen to what he says to them. He says, look, I'm going to have to come there and use my authority. But then he says this, this is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in the use of my authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not tearing you down. See, Paul knew he had authority, and he was willing to use it, but he didn't abuse it. And Timothy saw that. He saw his way of life. So I come away from all that, and I have to ask myself this question, and it's kind of a probing one. Perhaps you'd have to ask a similar question. It's, would the people closest to me, would the people closest to me know that in those areas, those areas that are so tempting, that I am seeking to live in a way that pleases God and honors people? Would they be able to say not just about the content of my teaching, but also about the conduct of my lifestyle, that both those things are congruent and they match up in a way that pleases God? 
See, if I'm going to set an example for Timothy, the Timothy's in my home and the Timothy's in my church, I'm going to have to not just look at what I teach, but how I live. And so do you. So if we're going to set a good example in the area of teachings, first. Second, in the area of conduct or lifestyle. Here's the third area, Paul says in verse 10. He says, I set an example when it came to purpose. I I was an example in the area of purpose. Look at uh, chapter 10, verse 3 again, please. He says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose. See the word there, purpose? Uh, It has the idea of your focus in life. In fact, the Greek word that's translated purpose here in Acts 11.23, in the New American Standard translation, the same word is translated resolute. Uh, Your purpose is what you're resolute about. It is what you are resolved to do. It is what you are intent upon. And, And Paul says to Timothy, Hey, Timothy... You know all about my purpose. You know I was a purpose-filled guy. Timothy saw that up close. In fact, on the third missionary journey, Timothy was probably with Paul when they came back to the city of Ephesus. And everyone was starting to say to uh, Paul, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. It's going to be bad there. In fact, you could get arrested there. And Paul looks at these elders from the church in Ephesus and he says these words to them. Timothy might have been standing right next to him when he said these. Paul says this to the the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He says, I know that going to Jerusalem, I'm being warned by the Spirit that prison awaits me. And then he says this, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Do you hear what he's saying? He's going, I know it may be prison. I understand that. But you know what? That's not my first concern. My first concern is this, that I complete the race, that I finish the task, that I fulfill my purpose of testifying to the gospel. That's what I want most. Now that's purpose. What's fascinating is that Paul made it to Jerusalem and he got thrown into prison and he was shipped off to Rome and from Rome he wrote the book of 2 Timothy and look what he says in chapter 4, verse 7. He says to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Boy, in Acts chapter 20, he said, this is what I want to do. I want to finish the race. And now having gone, been thrown into prison, he writes Timothy and says, Timothy, I did it. I finished my race. I ran to the end. I fulfilled the purpose that God gave me in my life. And Timothy lived alongside of a man who had a great sense of purpose. And Paul says, Timothy, you know about my purpose. I set an example for you. So let me ask you, as I ask myself, would the people closest to you say that you are a person of purpose? Would they say that you have a spiritual purpose in life? that you are kind of laser-like in your focus, that you're really going for it? Or would they say that you mostly drift through life, making it through the work week so you can kick back in the weekends? Is your purpose in life to live for the next holiday, the next getaway? Or is there a purpose that, that says, you know what, I, I'm about this because God has called me to be about this. Paul was that kind of a man, and he set that kind of example. So I have to ask myself, what kind of example am I when it comes to purpose? 
my teaching, in my way of life, in my purpose. Here's a fourth area, if you look at verse 10. Be an example in faith. In faith. Do you see that? You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith. Now, the word faith is used in two different ways in the books of First and Second Timothy. Sometimes when Paul uses the word faith, he's talking about the truth of God. The truth of God. For example, in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Some have wandered from the faith. There the faith is the truth, the truth we believe. But the word faith is also used in another way. Not just the truth of God, it's used to speak about trust in God. And there it's like, you know, I'm trusting in God. I'm holding on to Him. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I, I know about your sincere faith. You really trust in God. Now, Paul was an example in both areas. He held on to the truth, and he held on to his trust in God. Let me show you that. Look at verses 16 through 18 of chapter 4, please. 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 18. Look at his trust in God come through. He says, At my first offense, no one came to, to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now, do you think that hurt? Here's Paul, who's poured out his life for all these people, and now he's on trial, and he's going for the first time he has to stand before the Roman authorities. And he says, you know what happened? Everybody bailed. It was too politically hot. Being associated with me was like perhaps a death sentence. And everybody left me. So, Paul, how'd you handle that? Did you get bitter? Did you stop trusting in God? Did you say, well, God's obviously let me down? Look what he says. At my first support, no one, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. Look at his next line. May it not be held against them. Whoa. Why is that? How can you say that, Paul? Verse 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, where's your trust? Is it in people? And he says, no, I love people, but I can't always count on them. But I can count on the Lord. And Timothy knew that. And Timothy had in Paul an example of a man who trusted God. And so I ask myself as I ask you, what do you do when people let you down? And when you feel deserted? Do you keep hanging on to the fact that God is there? See, the Timothys in our life need to see an example of a man or a woman who doesn't give up on their faith when life seems to go bad on them. And Paul set that example. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be too. So he says, set an example when it comes to teaching, your lifestyle, your faith, or your purpose and your faith. I'm just going to have to touch on the last three. We're almost out of time, but you can think about them more. Here's a fifth area, not just your faith, but your patience. Do you see that in verse 10? You know all about my, my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my patience. The Greek word there means long-suffering. Some of your translations might even say that, long-suffering. How do you think Paul showed Timothy his patience? Well, here's one way, by being patient with Timothy. You see, Timothy was not like Paul. Timothy was more timid. 
We know that. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, Hey, Timothy, remember this. God didn't give you the spirit of timidity. Come on, Timothy. Don't be afraid to suffer, to stand with me. Paul could have said, Timothy, you're weak. You're not up to my standards. But he didn't. He said, Timothy, I know your faith is sincere. I believe God has His hand on you. Kindle afresh the gift, Timothy. Don't give up. Timothy knew about Paul's patience because Paul had been patient with Timothy. So I ask you, as I ask myself, am I patient with the Timothys in my life? Do I see their heart even when their behavior or their performance isn't up to speed? Do I still say, you know what, I believe in you. I'm not giving up on you. I'm patient with you. That's the kind of example Paul set, and that's the kind of example we need to set. Two more. Two more areas. The last, the last two, the sixth example, in verse 10 tells us, is love. Paul was an example of love. Timothy knew that. He was loved by Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul calls him, My dear son. Literally, it's my beloved child. I lo- my loved child. I love you, Timothy. Paul was an example of love. But please, please don't misunderstand. The love he was an example of is not some sentimentalized love. Paul's love at times was fierce. Sometimes his love was tough. He stepped in and said the hard things and did the hard things because he loved people. And Timothy saw that. And I have to ask myself, do I have a love that is both sacrificial and when needed is fierce? Paul did. He was an example of love. Last area that he gives in verse 10 is the area of endurance. Set an example in endurance. And by endurance, he goes on in verse 11 to tell you what he means. Enduring persecutions and sufferings. Timothy saw the sufferings that Paul went through. He was with Paul when Paul was beaten, tossed into jail. In fact, Paul mentions in verses, uh, uh, verse 11 there the sufferings he went through in Timothy's hometown of Lystra. You can read about it in Acts 13. Paul was dragged out of the city and pelted with rocks till they thought he was dead. And it happened in Timothy's hometown. So he said, Timothy, look, you, you know about my endurance. I didn't quit. And I have to ask myself, Am I setting an example of being willing to hang in there and to hold on even when it would be easier to quit? The Timothys in our lives need an example of endurance. That's a tall order to set that kind of an example, don't you think? Maybe you're thinking, man, I don't think I could do that. Maybe Paul could, but I can't be that kind of an example. Well, you're right. You can't be on your own. You need the spiritual dynamic, and I need the spiritual dynamic. It's the fruit of the Spirit that gives us love and joy and peace and patience and endurance. It's walking with Christ that He transforms us to be more and more of who we really are in Christ. And that's why if you're you're investing in a Timothy, you've got to take a lot of look at yourself and say, Lord, I'm trying to work on Timothy, but please keep working on me. Grow me so they'll see that I'm moving closer. Paul set that example for Timothy to follow. But I close with an encouragement. You know why Paul set this example? Not just for Timothy to follow it, but for Timothy to set that same example for others. You see, if it's true that a good example is not easy to find, and if it's true that a good example is worth following, in Paul and Timothy's case, we also learn a third thing, and that's a good example is worth passing on. 
it's worth passing on. Look at one last verse with me. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Hey, Timothy, I set an example for you. Now it's your turn. Hey, pal, it's your turn to set an example for others. And by the way, those, many of you here today are young. We've got some of you who are the quizzers and some of you are in youth ministry. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It's saying you're to learn from people above you, but you're to set an example for people around you. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Timothy, he says, look, you be an example now. I've set an example for you. You set one for others. A good example is worth passing on. That's why we invest in Timothy so that they can invest in other Timothys. You ever heard the old statement, more is caught than taught? Have you heard that? That's talking about example. But that statement I don't think is meant to denigrate teaching. It's meant to elevate example. In fact, I'd like to change that statement just a bit. Instead of saying more is caught than taught, I would say this. More is taught when it's also caught. In other words, blend what you say with how you live, and those two things will help together help you invest in a Timothy. Why don't we all take just a moment to pray quietly, silently, and why don't you talk to the Lord about what He would be saying to you today? Maybe one of these seven areas is an area where you're going to have to say, Lord, I especially need you to work with me in this area. You talk to Him together, and then we'll close in prayer in just a moment. For more information on Heritage College and Seminary, visit the school's website at discoverheritage.ca. To stay connected with the Reeds, visit their website at rickandlindareed.com.